Hello and welcome to episode 24 of the History of Middle-Earth podcast. My name is Phil and I will be your guide for today's adventure back to Middle-Earth. This episode is brought to you by Kira Arnold. To start us off today, we are going to be going over this week in Middle-Earth history. Starting from today, October 20th, this is the day where Frodo is brought to Rivendell after being stabbed and Gandalf Elrond perceive the Black Riders at the Ford of Berwinen. This is also the day in 1955 that the Return of the King is published. Skipping ahead two days on the 22nd is the day that Bilbo finds and opens the secret door to Erebor in 2941. Then the Thorn and company divides a plan to search the secret passage, and Bilbo descends into Smaug's cellar. The next day, on the 23rd is of 2941, is when Smaug attacks Lake Town, and also the day he is killed by Bard the Bowman. The 24th, skipping ahead to 3018, is when Frodo finally awakes and recovers. Boromir arrives in Rivendell that night, and Frodo is reunited once again with Bilbo. On October 25th is when Elven King's host leave Mirkwood for Erebor, and in 3018 is when the Council of Elrond takes place. Thursday, October 28th is when the elves finally reach Lake Town, and the 29th is with the help of the elves, Bard arranges shelter and food for the townsfolk that survived Lake Town. Sunday, October 31st, Halloween, in 1961, Peter Jackson is born. And the last day we'll do November 3rd is the Battle of Bywater and the passing of Saruman and the end of the War of the Ring. Now for the main topic for today, it is going to be Faramir and Baragond. I should have done Faramir and Boromir together in one episode, but it's too late for that now. So I figured I will do Faramir and the man who saved his life, Baragond. And these are literally my two all-time favorite characters in the entire series. So I'm not too upset about them sharing an episode. But anyway... Faramir lived from TA 2983 to 4th Age 83, and he was the second son of Denethor II. Faramir had incredibly deep and meaningful relationships with those that interacted with him. Everyone, minus Denethor, loved Faramir and would sing his praises at the mention of his name. Aragorn and Faramir bonded over their time as rangers and their shared Dunedain lineage. Faramir's boldness was incorrectly judged less due to his gentle nature and love of lore and music. It was his interests that formed a friendship between Faramir and Gandalf the Grey. The youngest son of Denethor learned of what he could from Gandalf's wisdom and mentoring. Denethor did not approve of Faramir as the quote, wizard's pupil, for he neither trusted nor liked the Istar. Faramir was an incredibly intuitive strategist, 
and he was very perceptive and a deep thinker, so preferred to work things out by word. A clear difference between him and his brother Boromir, who preferred to let his sword do the talking. But if words didn't work, Faramir would outmaneuver and outsmart any enemy force still standing, one of the reasons that he was so successful as a ranger. Like any good king or prince, Faramir led from the front, always the first to draw his sword and the last to sheath it. He dressed in the same garb as his soldiers, the only main difference being was his captain's sword, his captain's helmet, although rarely ever worn, and the silver tree of Gondor on his chest signifying his rank. Faramir was renowned for his skill with a bow and was said to be one of the best the race of men had to offer. He also carried a long sword that he had much skill with as a backup. Faramir and Boromir fought many battles side by side. Osgiliath was almost constantly under attack from different armies ever since the founding of Gondor. Many times Faramir would bring his rangers back to help reinforce the men of Osgiliath, and together they were an unstoppable force, feeding off the need to protect the other. These battles were usually followed by a celebration, which can be seen in the Return of the King Extended Edition, where Denethor also tells Boromir to go to Rivendell to retrieve the One Ring and so forth. In July of 3018, Sauron's forces attacked Osgiliath under the command of the Witch King, whose presence caused soldiers to draw back across the Anduin. When the last bridge was destroyed, in which Boromir's and Faramir's companies remained, the two brothers, along with two others, swam to shore and managed to hold all of the west shores of the Anduin. The night before the assault, Faramir had a prophetic dream of a voice speaking the following riddle. Seek for the sword that it was broken, in Imladris it dwells. There shall be counsels taken, stronger than Morgul spells. There shall be shown a token that doom is near at hand. For Sildor's bane shall waken, and the halfling forth shall stand. It came to Faramir twice more, and once to his brother. The brothers told of their dream to Denethor, who only told them that in Ladris was an elvish kingdom named for Rivendell, home of Elrond. Although Faramir had wanted to go for Gondor's sake, it was originally chosen by the Council of Elders in Gondor, Boromir, with the urging of his father, stepped forward and claimed the right to the Aaron, deeming it to be dangerous and doubtful. While Faramir and Boromir had an unbreakable love for each other, their father, Denethor II, hated Faramir. Denethor turned against Faramir after his mother, Fenduilas, died when Faramir was only about five years old, essentially blaming him for her death. Denethor made Faramir captain of the Athelian Rangers in order to fulfill his underlying cause of banishing him from the courts, or throne. Little did he know that once Aragorn was crowned king, he would put Faramir back in the line for the throne as his successor. Despite the favoritism Denethor showed Boromir, the brothers had no jealousy or rivalry between them. Faramir was also one of the few who was able to resist the power of the ring for the short while it was around him, although the movie portrayed this very differently, which ask any Faramir fan and they'll give you a giant eye roll, but he had an incredible inner strength that most likely came from his family issues growing up all the way to trying to command the rangers. 
On February 29, 3019, at midnight, Faramir, who was on guard duty on the western shore in Osgiliath, waded down to a boat floating down the Anduin River. To his grief, it contained the dead body of his brother, which was pierced with many wounds. In it lay his sword, broken, but there was no sign of the great horn, which he and his father had heard being blown far across the distance in the north three days prior. During a battle with Southrons, Faramir, who took over his brother's position as captain of the White Tower, encountered the hobbits, Frodo Baggins, and Samwise Gamgee, recognizing them to be the halflings his dreams spoke of. After the skirmish, Faramir took the pair to Henneth Anun and questioned them further. Through intelligent questioning and intuition, Faramir determined that Frodo was carrying some great evil weapon of the Dark Lord. At this point, he showed the crucial difference between him and his proud brother, saying, quote, But fear no more. I would not take this thing if it lay by the highway, not where Minas Tirith falling in ruin and I alone could save her, using the weapon of the Dark Lord for her good and my glory. No, I do not wish for such triumph, Frodo, son of Drogo. Sam accidentally revealed Boromir's desire for the enemy's ring, Isildur's bane. You want to know what happened to Boromir? You want to know why your brother died? He tried to take the ring from Frodo. After swearing an oath to protect him, he tried to kill him. The ring drove your brother mad. Watch out! Despite the Hobbit's fears, Faramir remained true to his vow, for he was wise enough to realize that such a weapon could not be used for good. With this knowledge, he also realized the peril his brother had faced. On that very same night, Gollum was spotted fishing in the Forbidden Pool next to Henneth Noon, an act punishable by death. To enter the Forbidden Pool bears the penalty of death. Shall I shoot? The cold pool is nice and cold, juicy, sweet. Our lips to capture fish, so juicy, sweet. Wait. This creature is bound to me, and I to him. He is our guide. Please, let me go down to him. Faramir listened to Frodo's pleas to spare Gollum's life, though, and after interrogating the creature, he decided that Frodo and Sam would be free in the lands of Gondor and Gollum under Frodo's protection. Giving them provisions, he sent them on their way to continue their quest. At their parting, Faramir warned Frodo of Gollum's treacherous nature and that the path Gollum had proposed, Kirith Ungol, had an evil reputation of old. This is the old sewer. Runs right under the river through to the edge of the city. 
You'll find cover in the woods there. Captain Faramir, you've shown your quality, sir. The very highest. Shire must truly be a great realm, Master Kemji, where gardeners are held in high honor. What road will you take once you reach the woods? Gollum says there's a path near Minas Morgul that climbs up into the mountains. Get a dongle. Is that its name? They say a dark terror dwells in the passes above Minas Morgul. We cannot go that way. It is the only way. Master says we must go to Mordor, so we must try. I must. Go, Frodo. Go with the goodwill of all men. Thank you. Death find you quickly. If you bring them to harm. Faramir and his company retreated to Kara Andros, an island in the river Anduin that guarded northern approaches to Minas Tirith. After noting that the sky was now covered in complete darkness, Faramir sent his company south to reinforce the garrison at Osgiliath while he and three others of his men rode to Minas Tirith directly. Along the way, they were pursued by the Nazgul riding fell beasts. The men, except Faramir, were unhorsed and it was the captain, a master of both beasts and men, who was still horsed and rode back to the aid of the fallen. If Gandalf had not intervened, they would have surely perished. Unfortunately, by the time they got there, Osgiliath was already in even more ruin than before and was halfway overtaken. Their numbers were so few to begin with, but now they had but now they were barely hanging on. Danathor was not fond of the outcome and laid into Faramir about how he wished he had died and Boromir had lived because he wouldn't have become such a failure. The Witch King overwhelmed the men of Gondor and won over Osgiliath. Faramir drew back to the causeway forts in which many of the men were wounded or killed. Faramir decided to stay with the rearguard in order to make sure that the retreat over Pelennor Fields would not turn into disaster. Faramir was gravely wounded by a poisonous arrow during the retreat. Fortunately, Gandalf and Faramir's uncle, Prince Imrahil of Dol Amroth, rode to the aid of Faramir and the troops with hosts of cavalry. Imrahil bore Faramir back to Denethor, telling him that his son had done great deeds. Faramir was laid in the Houses of Healing until Aragorn came and revived Faramir with Atheles. It was not a poison dart of the Witch King that wounded him in a state near death as it was with Snowmane, but the arrow of the Haradrim along with Faramir's weariness and grief concerning his constantly strained relationship with his father and the black breath of the Nazgul, who under Sauron's orders hunted Faramir ever since he had left Athelion. When he awoke, Faramir immediately recognized Aragorn as his rightful king, therefore realizing that no proof was needed after all. Aragorn 
then made Faramir his steward of Gondor and entrusted him to rule over Gondor had anything happened to him. Faramir was also crowned as Prince of Athelion, and Aragorn made him and Baragond his highest rank ranking military commanders. Aragorn had a great deal of trust in Faramir, even after his father nearly ran Gondor completely into the ground. Faramir, still recovering from his wounds, assumed command of Minas Tirith and Gondor, while Aragorn led the army of the west to the Black Gate. He also continued to assume command whenever King Elisar would take leave outside Gondor during the Fourth Age. Before Aragorn left to lead soldiers to the Black Gate, he commanded the Warden of the Houses of Healing to have Faramir and Eowyn to remain resting for at least ten days. After Eowyn demanded that the Warden take her to the steward of the city to have her released so she could ride out in battle, Faramir, whose heart was moved with pity and pierced by her beauty, told Eowyn that he too had to heed the advice of the Warden. He fulfilled her request to have her room look east to Mordor and asked her to talk with him at times. Faramir and Eowyn walked together in the gardens nearly every day, and he learned from Mary Brandybuck of Eowyn's despair of feeling trapped on the waning of Theoden and Aragorn's rejection of Eowyn's love. On March 25th, Faramir gave Eowyn a dark blue mantle sewn with silver stars that once belonged to his mother, as they stood at the wall that looked towards Mordor. There, they saw a threatening darkness towering over and seeing this. Faramir told her of his dream of the downfall of Numenor and the darkness threatening to overtake Middle-earth, reminding him of the great, great wave that swallowed the land of Numenor. Somehow, to Faramir and the people of the city, a hope and joy welled in their hearts, and he kissed Eowyn's brow. Eowyn, however, still felt languished and unfulfilled. Several days after, the, after he'd given her the mantle, Faramir told her that he understood that she desired to be lifted in greatness and out of the cage she had felt trapped in. And when Aragorn only gave her understanding and pity instead of love, what she later realized was a shadow of love, she had wanted to die valiantly and gloriously in battle. He told her that though he had first pitied her, he now loved her. There, Eowyn's grief was fully healed, and no longer did she desire glory or greatness, and realized that she had come to love Faramir in return. Faramir briefly served as the ruling steward of Gondor, and began preparing the city for the king's arrival. On the day of the king's official coronation, on May 1st, Faramir surrendered his office, which was represented by the white rod of the steward kneeling as he did so. Aragorn, however, gave the rod back, announcing that as long as his line would last, Faramir and his descendants would be stewards of Gondor. Reading that almost gave me chills. After Faramir had asked the people of Gondor if they accepted Aragorn as their king, which they did, Faramir took the crown out and Aragorn was crowned King Elisar. King Elisar appointed Faramir as Prince of Athelion and Baragon to be captain of his guard the White Company. As Prince of Athelion, he and the Prince of Dol Amroth, Gondor's two highest-ranking nobles, became King Elisar's chief commanders. His duties also included acting as resident March Warden of Gondor's main eastward outpost, rehabilitating the lost territories, as well as cleaning it of outlaws and orcs, and cleansing Minas Morgul of any evil remnants. 
Firmer also fulfilled the traditional role as steward, acting as the king's chief counselor as well as ruling Gondor in the king's absence. After marrying Eowyn, the two settled in Eminarnin, where they had at least one son named Elberon, who succeeded him as steward of Gondor, prince of Athelion and lord of Eminarnin after Faramir's death in 4th age 82. The average life expectancy in Middle-earth for a man was around 80 years, give or take, but Faramir, due to his large percentage of Dúnedain ancestry, lived to be 120 years old. Faramir was a little more removed than Aragorn from the line of kings, which is why he still had the blessing of long life, but not quite to the extent that Aragorn had it. One of his descendants was Barahir, who may have been the son of Elberon, or his great-grandson. A fun fact, for those who remember back to the Merry and Pippin episode, Pippin and Faramir were so close that after Pippin returned home after the War of the Ring and married the love of his life, they had a young boy who he then named after the man he looked up to the most, Faramir took the first. The titles held by Faramir were Captain of the Rangers of Athelion, Captain of the White Tower, Steward to the King Gondor, Lord of Emin Arnon, and Prince of Athelion. Now to Baragond. Baragond was a son of Baranor and a soldier of Gondor and later Captain of the White Company. Baragond's father was from the Vales of the White Mountains and prior to that they lived in Athelion, which is why some say Baragond may have been a ranger at one point, but we have been unable to officially confirm that. But Baragond had two sons, Virgil, who was 10 years of age at the time of the War of the Ring, and a younger son named Borlas. Baragond was a member of the third company of the Citadel. He loved and admired Faramir and saw him as a brave warrior and strong leader. Baragond did not travel outside of Minas Tirith often anymore since he was now a Citadel guard, but he still understood the threat Sauron posed to the city. On the morning of March 9th, 3019, Baragond was assigned to help Peregrine Took who had just become a guard of the Citadel himself. As Baragond had never met a hobbit before, he was eager to meet Pippin, and he was astounded that Pippin looked much like a child, yet had taken on more and seen more battle than most men of Gondor. During the Battle of Pelennor Fields, Baragond was on watch as the sentinel at the gate of the Citadel. Pippin rushed to tell him that Denethor was attempting to burn Faramir alive. Baragond knew his duty of protecting Faramir was more important than to remain at his post, so he rushed to his captain at the silent street. The guard of the street would not let Baragond pass, and after pulling a sword on Baragond, he was forced to kill him so he could enter and save Faramir. He regretted this decision, but he was forced to act quickly. Two more servants of Den Denethor's guard were killed as they attempted to light the funeral pyre. He stood upon the steps with his sword to ward off the rest until Gandalf arrived. After Faramir was rescued, Denethor would still not give up and drew a knife to attempt to kill his son, but Baragon stepped forward with his sword drawn to block Denethor. Denethor then gave up and set himself on fire, killing himself. After helping carry Faramir to, 
to the Houses of Healing, Gandalf gave the key to the closed door to the injured Faramir. Gandalf assigned Baragon to stand guard over Faramir at the Houses of Healing. He was then there for Faramir after he aw later awoke. Pippin and Baragond served under the command of Imrahil at the Battle of the Moranin. When a troll chief charged the ranks, Baragond was nearly killed, but Pippin managed to save his friend by killing the troll, which then unfortunately fell on top of him, which sums up Pippin's luck perfectly. Upon Aragorn's coronation on May 1st, Baragond was brought forward to receive judgment for leaving his post and for killing Denethor's guards on hollowed ground. The penalty would normally have been death, but the king showed mercy as the deeds were done out of love for Faramir, a revered captain of Gondor. So Baragon was instead forbidden from returning to the White City, but for his bravery in battle, Aragorn appointed him captain of the Guard of Faramir, which was also called the White Company. He later went on to live in Emin Arnon in Athelion to serve his lord Faramir, the new prince of Athelion. And there you have it, the history of Faramir and Baragond. If you do want more content, check out our website, ministeriothearchives.com. We have a Facebook page and Facebook group, History of Middle-Earth Podcast. We are on Instagram, at History of Middle-Earth Pod. And check the episode description for a link to our Discord. That's it for this week's episode. If you like it, feel free to subscribe and leave a review. If you have any questions, send them in to through either our website, Facebook page, or through our email, ministeriothearchives at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. Hope to see you back next time. Until then, I'm your host, Phil. And you're listening to the History of Middle-Earth podcast.